Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Blazer Victory Podcast. John Duncan here, and of course, I'm joined, as always, with my co-host, Darian Smith. And Darian, it feels like it's been a while since we recorded, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we didn't do that instant reaction pod. We got so used to doing that, so it just feels a little off. But I'm glad that it happened Me too. this way. So definitely glad we didn't do a reaction. Um, But before we get started and recap that WKU game, just as a reminder, guys, if you were listening, please hit that subscribe button wherever you were listening to us on now, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, YouTube, uh, Podbean. Go ahead and subscribe to the Blazer Victory podcast. And also, hey, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Go ahead and give us a five-star rating if you like us. That helps us out a lot. So if you haven't done so already, definitely give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or both. And as a friendly reminder, we also do have Blazer Victory Podcast merchandise that you can purchase to help support us at www.storefrontier.com slash blazerpod. Now, with all that out of the way, <laughs> let's go <laughs> yeah. ahead and uh, talk about, Darian, what happened this past Friday night. So, UAB took the L, 20-17, in Bowling Green against a good, uh, I think, a good Western Kentucky. Hey, I mean, that's that's a good ball team. You know, Tyson Helton does a great job there. Took them to the championship last year. Um, and I think they have another good team this year. Um now, if you're a Western Kentucky fan, you might want to stop listening because we are about to just talk about UAB. Uh, Darian, what in the world, man? You know, we, we come into this saying, hey, we need Dylan to have a good game. Dylan gets a concussion first quarter of the quarter, quarter of the game. We say, do not turn the ball over on the road. You go back and look at the Rice game. You look at the Liberty game. And what did UAB do in both of those road games? They turned the ball over multiple times in penalties, right. right? Debo, hell of a game, man. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. A heck of a game, Debo. You know, 24 <laughs> carries, 197 yards. But you fumble it two times, and then you're you're honestly the cause of the fumble with Dylan Hopkins, you know, getting stripped um, by that big guy up front for Western Kentucky. Like, you got to block him better, man. I know he's a bigger boy, but you got to go lower something to – Help help your quarterback out, man. And I I get Debo is the best. I I, I feel we can say this, Darren. He is the best running back UAB has ever had. I, I yes. think we can say that now. But you are not going to get to that next level in the NFL if you're turning the ball over left and right. That like I just don't understand. Like he he'll get a good twenty yard gain and he'll be just one arm on the ball with multiple black jerseys around them. Like when you see that, you got to tuck that thing tight, high and tight with both hands. And for some reason, he's just not doing that on the road. And this is the cause to another loss on the road for UAB, a very frustrating loss against a good WKU team. I don't want to, you know, leave that out that, you know, Hey, UAB just blew this game because WKU is a good team, all the kudos in the world to them. But, Darian, that defense for UAB fought their hearts out, man. Like, you you hold a, a WKU team that was give, getting, like, 400 yards through the air, you know, that you hold them well under that. And you just have an offense that just continues to be inept on the road and just turn the ball over left and right. And I just do not understand it. 
Right. Yeah, I, I did have like later for our general thoughts, I did have like a little Debo thought section, but I think this is a good a good time to get to it, you know. Like what what I want Debo to understand is is like you have the highest ceiling right. out of any UAB running back I have seen and or played with. You got the size, you you have it all. Like you just you run with this ferocity. You are hard to take down. You are shifty, and you have enough speed to break away. One thing I, that he has, it has to click with him. I hopefully this is the moment for him. I think now what I want him to understand is the fans. Our frustration comes from from last year. You know, last year this how it started. You know, right. it was okay. Yeah, he'll put the ball on the ground, but he's great. And the fans are behind him 200, 300, 400 percent, like whatever, how, how we can go. But it's okay for people to have valid criticisms of you. That doesn't right. mean support. So, with that being said, he has to care about the little things because when you get to that next level, or even at this level now, you go to the power five. I mean, there's a lot of good running backs. It's a running backs you can find a lot of in a lot of places. Let's be real. Mm-hmm. You can find running backs everywhere. In order to stand out, you have to. He has that ceiling, that talent to stand out. But those little things. When I watch Skull play, we brag about how Skull was laying people down on pass protection, and Skull is like half this man's size. He's half right. his size, but he is laying. 240-pound linebackers down, all heart and soul. You know, I don't think I've seen Skull miss one block, you know, and he's fumbled one time. And to kind of have this, like, reoccurring theme, it is it's frustrating for because we see somebody with so much talent and that we want to see do great. We want to see this man go. To, I want to see this man go to the NFL and change – the uh, the trajectory for his family's life for generations to come, like generational. I want him to be. I want to draft him round one in my fantasy on my fantasy football. I want him to be the greatest running back ever, and and to secure all the wealth he can. But young man, it's not going to be possible if you don't care about pass blocking. If you don't care enough, and I'm not saying that you don't. I'm not saying that he doesn't care enough. But you have to be. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? You have to really go after, you have to really think about, I, for some reason the word is escaping me, but you have to think about this. You have to be intentional. That's what I'm looking Yeah. You have to be intentional in thinking, like, I've had these fumbling problems. I'm coming up on contact. Let me get this ball high and tight. I see him, and I go back and I look at it. He's running with so much ferocity. He's He want to break every tackle. I get it. Right. But there's a certain way that you have to do it. And you have to learn that now. The the time is now. Tuck that thing in. Put two hands on the ball. Whatever you got to do, it's it's okay. It's okay. I know you probably broke one or two by being the way you are. But, you know, going through life and, you know, progressing as a player, you change and you get better. And this is how you get better. I want to see him lay down people on pass blocking. I want to see him run blocking for Dylan and laying people out. I want to see him tuck that ball. You remember when NFL, you remember when Tiki Barber used to have a really bad Yes. That's exactly what this reminds me of. Tiki Barber would fumble, fumble, fumble. And it was a year that it was really bad for him. And we're talking about an NFL star. 
Mm-hmm. And he came back the next year, and he looked totally different. That ball was high and tight no matter what he did. <laughs> and guess what? He still broke big plays. And I don't even know if he fumbled at all that season. And so what I would really like to see from Debo is him just fixing that up as as, as we go by. I want to see him be very intentional about that. I don't care if it costs him, you know, two or three yards in there. I don't care. I just want to see him intentionally – you can tell when he's tucking that ball. Because it was a couple times where I, when Debo broke, I'm like, man, put the ball up. You can right. tell. You can, you can. Can't you see when he runs, he's running, yes. the ball is going. He's so into trying to just score. Yep. I'm like, dude, somebody's coming from the – when he mm-hmm. broke that last, that last fumble, I saw, I saw that dude coming. I'm like, oh, my God, I think this dude from the fumble. He fumbles. And he fumbled that's, that's it. That, yeah, and, they, and number 12 was intentionally ripping at the ball. That's how they. That's how they're gonna play Debo from now on. I'm gonna rip, rip, rip at the ball. So I know that was kind of you know long soliloquy. I know I got another one in me about you know the program, but I really felt that about. I really wanted to just get that across. Um, you know, for the fans, for Debo, we have valid criticisms, but we we love Debo. This is the best running back we've ever. This is the most talented running back. You know, right. Um, but he does have the little things he has to show up. I would like to see him finish the year out strong, and he probably would have to come back another year to to sh- prove the scouts like I can do it for a whole season. You know, um, at this point, because I thought it was just a lot this year, but it is some little things he has to get ironed out. Well, they won't draft you. They don't, you know, they don't. They they don't want that in the NFL, you know. <laughs> so, no matter how much talent you have, so. I want to see Debo just switch that all around so he can make generational uh, change for his family, man. And I think he'll do it. Yeah, definitely agree. Um, well, just some other bright spots. Um, how about Fred Ferrier getting his first uh, touchdown reception as a Blazer, a 14-yard catch from uh, Jacob Zeno? Yeah, man. As I said, that's that's our. Uh, <laughs> I said, look at our son. <laughs> look at that. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. We we've always taken that uh, like to liking to him because mm-hmm. I don't know. You can see the talent. I think he has the strongest hands on the team. Yeah, yeah. He's like, gonna be. I, he's gonna be good, man. Man, he's gonna be awesome. I, I just really like the guy. His talent. So uh, just shout out to him. And then I know you. I know you mentioned Dylan earlier in the game. We were saying one of the keys was Dylan. Needed to play well, and he, Dylan was playing well, man. He was. He was. he was playing well. If Dylan doesn't go down that game, oh, yeah, heartbreak, heartbreak. <sighs> <man>. <laughs> I know, and, and I'm I'm sad too. I mean, I know uh, Coach Vincent in his press conference uh, Monday said that they're taking him day to day. I I don't see him playing, and this is no inside info. This is just. I just don't see or I don't see him starting this Saturday against FAU. I think they'll give Zeno all the one the reps with the ones this week in practice and just get him ready. Um unless, hey, I mean a miracle, maybe Dylan gets cleared. But with what happened recently, we you know Tua with the Dolphins, like you just can't rush somebody back after a concussion. Like you you honestly have to give them at least two weeks to or at least a full a full week or something like that to kind of fully get together. Yeah, like in 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 this in today's climate with everything that's been happening with concussions, like uh, it's it's kind of tough. And just to see him, you know, when he got up, you can tell he was a little woozy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it didn't look good. Yeah, yeah, it didn't look good. You know, so 
Man, I that and that was the mo- the thing I was most excited about this second half of the season, like the maturation, the coming into of Dylan. He's been right on the precipice, like you can tell. And I thought this game was gonna be his coming out party, and it started that way. You know, he was he made the flip, you know, just the just a little drag across the middle and flip, just house calling that thing. Yeah, shout out to Flip, man. What what about that speed, man? Taking around the corner and just taking it to the house. Yeah, yards. just straight foot racing is just blazing, you know, just going through there and just taking it all the way to the house. And I just knew it was going to be a good day, mm-hmm. you know. And then um, even and then seeing Dylan's escapability, his decision making had me so excited. He wasn't making, he wasn't forcing anything. He was tucking it down, running it. You know, he he just seems so sure of himself and his abilities. I'm like, yep, yep, this one, we're going to kill him. Because Dylan is, I can tell he's going through his progressions and stuff, and it just felt like he was turning that corner. And then it was like, oh, no, you know what? You know, you guys had problems on the road. How about we throw this curveball at you? And, yeah, Dylan. Mm-hmm. Just like, really? Really? Come on. <sighs> of course. Of course it happens. Um, but definitely, hey, we definitely wish Dylan a speedy recovery. And also with Mac McWilliams, you know, I know he had to get helped off the, helped off the field in the second half. I definitely hope he gets uh, better as well. Um, I'm, I'm trying to remember. Uh, uh, Zeno, so what did his stats end up being? Let's talk okay. about it. Yeah, <laughs> three of ten for 33 yards. One touchdown, as we mentioned, that 14-yarder to uh, Fred Ferrier and such a bad interception, <laughs> Golly, was, That was so bad, dude. Like I don't. If you were okay, never mind. I need I need to watch because it, it's not on Zeno. Like he baited Zeno into throwing that. Like he baited him into it. Yes, but it's so frustrating because that entire half, like the passing game, was non-existent. So the oh. frustration for the fans was already there. Like yeah. We was already frustrated, like man, we can't, we can't throw anything right now. And I know I was really, really frustrated when we were backed up in our, on our side of the field, and it was a third down play. You call timeout. <laughs> and then you well, no, it. yeah, well, you got that one, but I don't know if it was the same drive. Mazzino took the ball. I think it was like third and five or third and eight or something like that. Dexter Boykin was on the right side. And he just run a little hook that is completely covered the whole mm-hmm. time. Yeah. And I'm sitting there looking like, I know this dude is going to throw the ball. Uh, number three, the linebacker, I think his name was Evans, yep. was just sitting right there. Yep. And it's like, why are you in Zeno, like, stared, just stared, just stared yep. at one receiver. I'm like, dude, <laughs> it's just like. Why are you forcing it? And I guess I guess Boykin tried to relocate a little bit, but he was totally covered. Like, and he just tried to fit it in there. I'm just like, oh man, we in trouble. Yeah. Because I don't, and this is why I'm disappointed because he's been in 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 the bright lights before. Yeah. You know, he's been there. He's done. He's made plays in the bright lights. Yeah, this Big is Twelve Championship guy. game with Baylor. Yeah, he's been there. He's been there, and I got so frustrated, man. I had to mute the uh, the color commentator. Dude was horrible. Oh, that was the worst <laughs> broadcast I've ever seen. Like that color guy, he the analyst, oh he 
he was mixing up teams, mixing up stats, and I was like, this is just awful. And it, I, I swear, he was like the same one saying, oh, I bet uh, Rudolph stepped out of bounds on that touchdown. Like, yeah, like, like, come on. Shut dude. up. Like, like, what yeah. was you talking about? <laughs> yeah, he was awful. And see, and I knew that, though, because shout out to uh, Adrian and Jared at the Alamo Dome Audible. Like, they had played FIU the previous Friday night um, on CBS Sports Network, and they were talking about on their podcast how bad it was. So if all these folks are seeing how bad it is, so ho- hopefully we don't have to worry about him coming back next year. Man, or- please, like, I, this, come on, man. Like, people need to hit certain benchmarks for their jobs. Yeah. But anyway, but like, like this dude, he kept on talking about um how explosive WKU's offense were. Man, they weren't like stop. Hey. <laughs> they aren't even completing passes because you talk about the game. Right. They can they can have like a three yard run. He was like, Oh, they they're so explosive. You know, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, and you can tell he has certain talking points that he was going off of. Yeah. I'm just like, let it let it go, brother. Like you yeah. talk about the same old things over and over. It was just horrible. <laughs> but yeah, just the, just knowing that I know we got kinda we had to he had to kiss those bullets real quick. But yeah. But but Zeno, like so, do you think, Darian, like, say he's going to have to be the starter in Boca this Saturday. If you give him a full week's worth, repping with the ones, do you think he can be better than what he showed last Friday night? Because I, I guess it is kind of different, you know. Even even though, you know, Coach Vincent has put him in before, but when he's kind of put him in the game, like, it's either – the game's well out of reach, or when he puts him in, it's just straight up handing off to Debo or goal. So like, I don't he's put him in, and uh, a lot of times we scored, and he's just he's been a great hander offer of the ball, right? <laughs> you know, so he hasn't been asked to read any defense in any crucial moment during no time during the season. So, so do you think maybe like getting a full week's worth with the ones? Like, do you think that can help? And maybe that's something that the staff can work with him on, on making reads or. Yeah. Or can, or can you, or is it even sufficient at all to say that you can get that in a week? Like, do you think we're going to get the same outcome with? No, him? no, no. It'll definitely help. Cause like I said, this is somebody that's been there and they, and another yeah. thing about the color commentator, he kept calling them young, the young guy. I'm like, this dude isn't young. Stop. <laughs> right. Right. What are you talking about? Richard junior, man. Mm-hmm. But he's he's not young. He's not a, a a deer in the headlights or anything like that. And he's been successful in these moments before. But sometimes it's kind of like like a jumper, you know. Like if you got yeah. a jumper and you can lose your jumper mm-hmm. if you don't practice enough and you don't. But you got to get in rhythm. Just and ask Ben think, Simmons, right? Huh? I said just ask Ben Simmons. <laughs> well, you know, hey, that's a good one. But so yeah, you can you can lose that jumper, but you know, just going back with Zeno, I just think it's been a while since he's actually been in, you know, real live game action to where it mattered. And um, you know, just seeing the film. I think film is like the most important thing. So it practice is one thing when you really get the practice, but when you really get to put that performance on the film and you can see like, oh, because it takes it takes all the excuses out, you know. True. It's like, all right, yeah, this is you on the field. This is what you did. This is how you stared down Dexter Boykin the whole time, and you had no pressure on you at all. You could have ran. You could have went through your progressions. You tried to force a ball. It, you look scared on that yeah. on that interception. You know, um, he didn't. It, I, I don't know. I don't know. The, we're armchair coaching here, so we don't know what the reads are. But if it's that easy to bait you, yeah. 
you threw that so confidently and that interception looked so easy, you know. And, you know, I saw somebody made the comment. It was like, man, I felt so good when he threw it because he looked like he ripped it. Like, yeah, I know this is a touchdown, <laughs> you know. But it was it looked like you handed the ball off right to, right to him. And I'm just Gave like. Gave it to him, yeah. So, I think this week, I think seeing that and him feeling the pressure, feeling the weight, feeling all of that. And now having a chance to review the film and right. practice, I think he's gonna look so much better than than what he did. I think so too. Yeah, and like you just said, you you've got to thank Coach Henshaw and Coach Vincent, and you know everybody's gonna be in there looking at the film from Friday night. You know, I'm sure they've already done this, but just kind of reassuring them and like, you know, hey Zeno, this is what you did wrong. You shouldn't have done this, and I think he'll be better. Uh, if he does end up starting this uh, Saturday night in Boca. Um, Defensively-wise, I mean, UAB defense, kudos to you again. I mean, you shut down a very prolific offense with WKU, um, hold them to 20 points. Um, Reed, their star quarterback, was only 14 to 23 for 128, 128 yards. Like, I mean, nothing, man, nothing. I mean – and I and I kind of was having this exchange with Steve Irvine, um, and I meant to um, add him back on Twitter, you know, because I I said you know another wasted defensive, you know, dominating game. And he was like, well, I wouldn't call it dominating because they had 220 yards rushing. Well, I mean, if you got yeah, a three go man ahead, front, you, go ahead, you take well, this. You go first. Well, I was gonna say when you play in that base three man front, like look, of course teams are gonna be able to run on you. We saw Georgia Southern, who ain't had a run game all year, ran on us. You know what right. I'm saying? Like, yeah, I'm I'm sorry, you go ahead though. But I was just gonna say that real quick. Yeah, that's that's exactly why I go on. That's what I was saying. Preach, brother. You know, preach right. because it's certain t- it's certain things that you want to give a team. Right. Saying, you know, what are you taking away? So we were we were giving that to them, but they weren't scoring. Mm-hmm. They were scoring field goals. Uh, a lot of the touchdowns came by way of turnover. Right. They had a short field. So and then a lot of the rushing yards came at the end of the game when we was on the when we was on the uh, field for a long time. If we don't have those turnovers in those certain positions, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that they get 14 points, you know? No, and hey, I think Will Bowler had that pick, by the way. Like, yeah, you call it on the field an interception, and you go back and review and say 100%, without a doubt, that ball was on the ground and he didn't have control. Like, what in the world? Every camera angle I saw, at least on the broadcast, it looked like, yeah, the the ball might have barely hit the turf, but... He still had control of it, like on the way. To, so I don't know how they reversed that call. That that was my only grievance with the officiating. Um, and I even had a couple of WKU fans. Um, you know, one in particular, Stephen, he texted me and was like, "Yeah, that should have been an interception. I don't know how they overruled that." Like, and he was at the game. <laughs> like it was and, clear. It's like and WKU they called and they, it an interception and, on the field, and they scored a touchdown right after that. So that's seven of their points right there. Yeah, so it's like, you know, defense catch short end of the stick, but we can we say this every week. Week in, week out. This team has done defensively what they were supposed to do. We every, and we put them in adverse positions like every game. Right. 
the only game that we didn't put them in like adverse positions was really uh, Middle Tennessee, and you saw like Middle Tennessee couldn't really couldn't do anything because we they actually had to go the whole field. We wasn't giving them short fields, and our defense, man, if we it's like man, we treat them right, they can just shine. If offense, if they can treat them right, but another masterful performance, another performance was Fish McWilliams is. Doing fish things and Noah Wilder is all over the field and that defensive back, like our defensive backs, man, they was just swarming to the ball. And I'm not gonna say nothing negative about this defense. Like, oh man, we couldn't, man. How many times are we gonna put them in bad positions to where we're gonna say, oh, defense didn't do, defense didn't do well? Guess mm-hmm. what? We shooting free throws and I'm shooting twenty and you shooting five <laughs> and you make three or five and I make seven of twenty. Yes, I made more free throws than you, but, like, how many opportunities did I get? Exactly. (laughs) You know, so that's just how I feel about it. And uh, hats off to them. Hats off to David Reeves again. Yep. All right, I think we – yeah, again, hey, UAB turned the ball over four times and lost on the road. So it's been every every time UAB's played on the road, all three times, multiple turnovers, just offense shooting itself in the foot. We saw the same thing in Bowling Green last Friday night. So UAB loses 20 to 17, and we will kind of put this game to bed. Oh. Oh, you got one more thing? The right side of the line. Oh, yeah, you got to talk about McGee the, Yeah, talk about it. Like, hey, here we are again, and I'm, you know, it's getting, I, and I don't like to be critical. I mean, these are still kids. Like, so I don't like to be critical, especially hey. on our team. Tell, hey, they're not looking good. Nah, man, like it. I'm I'm concerned because I think I always thought that Sidney Wills was more of a guard. I remember going back to the you know the mm-hmm. beginning of the year. He's he's good on when we play action and it's you know second and seven and but when the pass is obvious like it's third and ten, third and twelve or something, I'm scared. Yeah. You know, I'm scared. Like, they they they. Because he's, you know, he's a big guy. He seems more of a guard. He seems like he'll be perfect on the inside, you know. But um, mm-hmm. I understand he's he he has, he has experience. He's one of our leaders. Um, so I, I get it. But and maybe there is something intangibly having him there in that position that he brings to the table. I just wish we can kick him in the guard, you know, because I feel like McGee also kind of struggles, especially when it comes to penalties. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wouldn't mind seeing giving him another year to grow and maybe bumping Sydney down in the guard. And we got like Trey Badowski, he who has really good feet at tackle. And I remember, you know, Quez Yates, like looking at his looking at his film, great mm-hmm. feet, great feet, man. I think, but. Then again, the coaches are the ones that's are, that are in there in the facility with these players every single day, so they know what's best, you know. But it just get it gets frustrating from the outside, especially being an offensive lineman, knowing that. But then also, you know, hopefully we just put him in better positions, and we get you know we get running backs to chip and help um, in those certain predicaments, you know, but. You know, I send that challenge out again, man. I want to see, I want to see that right side of the line. I want to see that perk up, man. I don't want us worried because we, I'm not, I find myself not worried about that left side at all. Me nope, no, no pressure like Kadeem and Trey Hearn and boys. Oh like, uh, yeah, they got it locked down over there. Locked down, you know, but 
it's been a lot of times um, far too often this season we've seen the bulk of the pressure come from the right side of the line. So, you know, hopefully that's something we can get ironed out. Definitely. Well, all right. Well, guys, right now what we will talk about is just kind of general thoughts on the uh, UAB football program. You know, we're four and three this year, two and two in Conference USA. Um, Darian, I'll let you start because I know, you know, we we talked about it before the show, how we we almost wanted to do this uh, Sunday afternoon. um, But, you know, we decided, hey, we'll just lump this in with the FAU preview. But I'll let you start and we can just have a general conversation about our feelings towards the program so far. Yeah. And, you know, we might get a little long winded, but I kind of had to kind of think about everything. I'm glad we didn't have the instant reaction pod. Yeah. You know, so they give me some time to really just really, really think, you know. So I just kind of thought about, you know, when I when I was here as a player, you know, I was here under Coach Neil Calloway with a lot of the coaches that, you know, we see now. We still still have relationships with the Hiltons. I just talked to Kim Hilton, who's the dad, the father of Tyson Hilton. I talked to him after the Georgia Southern game. So, and I know I can pick up the phone. I can call Neil Calloway, all these guys, you know. It's, it's kind of resemblance of kind of what UAB is. It's kind of family. So, you know, Coach, Ty, uh, Coach Summers was on that squad, defensive coordinator for Western Kentucky. You know, right. you got Zach Zach Langford, um, I believe tight ends coach for Western Kentucky. You have Rick Mallory, um, offensive line coach at Middle Tennessee. You have Will Friend, offensive line coach at Auburn. It's so many connections. I played with Pat Bastion, coaches at the Jets now. Matt McCants was in the NFL. He coaches with UAB. It's so, and I can I can keep going, but it's so many connections and family like connections that came from that team you know and I, I take a lot of pride in that because I was the team captain and you know um offensive MVP at center of the, of the team I was kind of like a, one of the spokesmen mm-hmm. uh, for the team so it kind of I kind of thought about that and kind of thought about like family and what kind of made us fail during those years and I honestly think that you know coach Callaway just he wasn't able to get everybody to buy in. I love Coach Callaway. Like I can call him to this day. He was a good man. Um, however, people feel about him um, as a coach, but he ultimately wasn't able to get everybody. He wasn't able to touch and motivate everybody. It was some guys on that team that just didn't care. Mm-hmm. And I'm here to tell you that. Like, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people from my team could tell you that. Some dudes would be like, "Oh, we had the game up." We lost by 30. I don't know. It's time to go out and party, whatever, smoke, you know? Yeah. Like, that's just how it was. <laughs> so, so when I think about Coach Vincent and I think about that family, all of, this, all of that was just proper context. It was pretext, I guess, to say mm-hmm. when I think about Coach Vincent, he is able, he is literally able to touch all of these guys. Yeah. That's a special gift. It is. I want people to know that, like, every coach doesn't have that. I think we kind of assume these coaches have that. But if you go look out and you you see some of these programs, they hot, uh, they hire the hottest name coaches. These coaches aren't able to touch players. Like, coach, when we hired Coach McGee here, Coach mm-hmm. McGee was the worst at that. Yeah. <laughs> you've, you've got plenty of guys that could give to, like, kind of craps. Because, honestly, a lot of them come in and they're trying to use – 
you know, like a small or a G5 school is a stepping stone. Like, I don't really want to relate with you guys. I'm just trying to get a good year and bounce off and go on to my next destination. Like, sometimes they really just don't care. Right. And <clears throat> Coach Vincent is the total opposite of that. This is Agreed. what this is what makes everything so hard with him. Um, he is a, such a great motivator and and touch like he touches kids. That is that is a skill. I want people yeah. to value that as a skill for a coach to be able to reach these players and you you make these player, players feel that you, that you care. And he truly does. Yeah, he does. I, I've talked to his wife. They truly care. Like it's really something special. Not just about football and reaching kids, but this this city and everything. It is really that family feel. Like it's. That's a skill that you really can't – it's hard to measure, you know. Um, it's not those. And real quick, Darren, like, you've got, you know, Holly, like, at the coaches' show on Monday night at Buffalo Wild Wings telling some UAB fans that have never been to the UAB practice facility that, hey, they can come and look and check out the facility because they care so much about wanting to be engaging. And you can really see – how much they care about this UAB football program. And I mean, hey, and Steve and I was there when she lived up to her, you know, promise. You know, there was a couple of uh, people from the coaches show that came out and Holly opened the door and they went in there and checked out the practice facility and got to walk around. Like you really do see how much Bront Vincent cares about this football. Like he he almost bleeds, bleeds it. And that's why like Losses like this past Friday night, just like you're, you're just gutted because like you can tell, like oh man, like this, it's so it just sucks. Yeah, it's so tough to you have that coach as a player. No matter what you want to, it's a special thing. You just want to win for him, and right. you know I know just seeing some of those players' faces afterwards and they feel down, dejected. I know half of the reason is really because they really want to win for Coach Vincent, man. Because I think about that family fabric, man. I know players. I talk to some of the players uh, that I play with. I talk to some of their family members more than them now. Like, you know, I've had players, moms and dads, like they sent me stuff when I've had kids. Like, it's this is special here. I want people to understand that. Like, it's, you know, you, you grow up and a lot of these guys still stay in the same area. A lot of these guys, my kids are best friends with, you know. So it's it's something different than you know, going to a, a, a UA a, a Alabama game. And it's like, it's crowded, it's packed, you got celebrities, but how connected are these people? You know, we right. know each other when we go. You know, <laughs> it's, we we are, we feel like we're heard and it's so, I don't know, it just feel like family. So, and I feel like they captured that so, so, so well. Right. And so, and even looking at some of the numbers, DB was offensive coordinator. It's kind of weird to think about, but he was so he was the offensive coordinator for some of our best offensive seasons here. He was, yeah. <laughs> Weirdly enough, because it feels like, you know, coming from coming from the uh, fans, it, and coming from me myself, it feels like we've been kind of frustrated with the offense for a while. I don't know if it's the is it the offense or is it the the conservatism of the offense, but it. It's been going on for a while, you know, like it's kind of building up like, hey, man, we we're so stale. We, you know, we're predictable. Yeah. Like, isn't that the main problem? You know, and um, 
So we feel really predictable, and then sometimes we just feel like we just lean on the defense too much. And um, it's kind of like, hey, man, we've been asking, you know, we've been kind of like wanting something to shift in that. And is that, you know, John, you can tell me, like, is that is that is that wrong and want to ask that? Because sometimes you can look at some of these numbers and see some of the offense that did this and that in these years that Brian Vincent was the offensive coordinator. But it just feels like half the time that something is off. Am I wrong? No, you you were a hundred percent right. Um, and I mean, honestly, I I wish Vincent would let Henshaw call some plays. At least try it for one game. Just kind of hand it over and just say, okay, all right, you call the plays, and I'm just gonna focus on being a head coach and just you know oversee everything. And now, and, and you know, Bill did that. But hey, every now and then, Bill would step in and be like, no, you know, you could overrule your coordinator every now and then and be like, no, I, I want to be conservative or I want to do this, but. I think it would benefit him to kind of just hand off play calling. At this point, I mean, what's to lose? I mean, just let Henshaw call a game and see, you know, go for go forward with it. Like, and you you take some of the pressure off of yourself by doing that. Hey, I get it. You were the offensive coordinator. You know, this is your offense, but you need you you hired Henshaw to be the offensive coordinator. So let him, you know, try to call some plays. Just do something and take the pressure off of yourself. Right. I think that's one of the the, the biggest things. It's like, so I, I thought about like, what are really the problems? What are we frustrated with? I think, I think it's the, you know, the offense or the offensive play calling the conservatism, whatever way you want to put it. Yeah. I, and I think it's like in those, in those games that matter the most seem like turnover, turnovers and penalties seem to be embedded into our culture. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's killing me, man. Yeah, the turnovers I do not understand. Like, uh, it's road games, turnovers, and I just I, I don't understand it. And you, you know, you saw his press conference Monday, and I mean, even Coach Vincent was like, I don't know what to do. Like, I mean, I they practice it, and just something happens when they go away from Protective Stadium, they just turn into a turnover machine, just giving the ball over left and right, and it's honestly frustrating too because. The offense moves the ball at points, but it's just when they start moving the ball, they just do something stupid and end up just turning the ball and basically gift wrapping it for the other team. And then in doing that, you put your defense that has been doing such a great job all year in backed up bad situations where, I mean, you're going to give up points in in, in situations like that. So, Right, and and sometimes I just feel like we're so – like we're we're so late to counter, yeah. And I yeah. think that's probably the main frustration. It's kind of like we wait a little too late, or we come out in the second half. It's like what the hell just happened? Yeah. Because we put up a lot of numbers in the first half, and it looks shiny. Thank mm-hmm. Liberty. Thank yes. Right. Right. Yeah. Think think about the uh this game. Thank Western Kentucky all on the road. The same thing. We put up a lot of. A lot of numbers in the first half, so at the end of the game, it looks it's so shiny. Like, oh, we had 197 yards rushing, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But we probably probably had 130 of that in the first half because Debo probably ripped off some big runs. And but it seems like we don't have a counter, or we don't predict like, hey, they're gonna stop this now. That's just what it feels like. It is like it's always a sense of nervousness for that third quarter. I don't want to feel like that about my team. 
Me either. It's, uh, and you even look back to some of the home games. Like you look at the Georgia Southern game when we jump up on Georgia Southern with 21 to 7, and then it's just coasting the rest of the game. Like, like what happened? Like, yeah, you know, so <laughs> is it because do we get too conservative or? I think that's part of it. Yeah. Like, are we really trying to grind down the lead with 15 minutes? You know, we starting the third quarter. Are we trying to grind it out already? Well, I don't know. Like, the, the counterpoint to that, though, Darren, is like you say, or, you know, we say that we're being conservative, and here we are not being conservative, turning the ball over left and right. Like, I don't – no, I will give them credit. I'll, I'll give the guys credit. Penalties have gotten a lot better. Like, we, we, we didn't mention this yes. earlier. WKU only four penalties for 22 yards. You know, I can live with that. And, yes. you know, they can talk about how it was a hostile environment, whatever. I mean, there's only 15,000 people there. That is not a hostile environment. You, a, you go back to the Rice game, 300 people there, not a hostile environment. Go back to Liberty. They had a decent crowd, but it was a monsoon the whole game. Not not a hostile environment. Like, you want to see a hostile environment? You play at LSU in a few weeks. You go, you go see a yeah, hostile we go, environment. <laughs> we go see real quick. So, yeah, but, but I did want to give them credit real quick about the penalties. I, I thought that have that has gotten better but the turnovers just they're getting worse and i just i i do not understand it at, at all right and and and, and to coach vince's credit it's like i mean what can you do about a guy that's just running i guess it i guess it makes you feel as if only thing you can point to is the coach because why is this happening so much you know it feels as if like it's like is he trying too much is debo trying too hard? which he probably is trying too hard like you know when you get a 10, 15-yard game, just get down. Or at least put two hands on the ball. Like You don't have to be trying to stiff arm with another hand, trying to get, what, two or three more yards. Like, you know you're going to go down, you know? Like, I don't I don't know. And it's kind of like, I guess when you start feeling like it's the coach because it's like, are y'all, this is his biggest flaw. Are we spending extra time drilling this into him? Like, I don't want regular practice session. I want him working on contact, like, you know, so kind of <laughs> to right. just like wrap up the ball high and tight, high and tight, like all mm-hmm. day. I don't, he doesn't have to get a. Cause he's, he's got everything else down pat. Like, Hey, if you just get well, that shirt up. Well, that and pass pro, if you, yeah, you get yeah. down, <laughs> then you good. Yeah. So you want him to like, Hey, so it's like, is he, is this not being drilled? And that's the only thing you can think of as a fan. Right. Like, why is coach not sharing this problem up? Because this has been our Achilles heel. If we know it, then why are we not doing anything about it? That's right. as a as a fan, because we're on the outside. That's the only thing we can think of. And these, this is the way we've lost these games. Like, we, we dominate first half, come out second half flat, something happened. You know, it was, it was penalties in the Rice game and then turnovers. It was um, turnover turnovers in in, in in Liberty, and then you know they kind of just I felt like they just dared us to do something different, and we wouldn't in the Liberty game. It was like we just kept on trying to do what we were doing in the first half. I'm like, hey, they figured that out. Can we do something else? And see, this is you know something that I tweeted out uh, Friday night while I was sipping my green iguana in Jamaica. Um, <laughs> this is the second road game in a row where UAB has blown a 17 to 7 lead. You go back to the Rice game, same situation. WKU, same situation. Like what in the world? Like how does that happen? Like I 
like, you know, we, we've talked about all year, Darian, about, you know, turning the page, learning from our mistakes. Like, and then here we are just repeating it time and time again. Time and time again. The same type of environment, the same, you know, the same scenario, the same issues. And once you're this deep into it, it you can't help but say it has to be something in the coaching, you know, yeah. that's yeah. where you start to go because what else could it be, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then it doesn't help that we we largely came into this year saying this is the most stacked team we've had. It is, yeah. And this is the most talented team that we've had. We had these expectations, mm-hmm. not because of hearsay, but because we've seen these guys play. Yep. We've seen what they can do. We've seen what they can do in these losses. Yep. But the way we lose them is so that's where the crux of the I just want to identify and articulate where where what are we doing? Why are we this frustrated? Sometimes you can get frustrated and you just start going into games with negative expectations or whatever. And you don't even know what you're frustrated for. But it, I think I think it's good to like take a step back and say, all right, what am I actually mad at? Let me see. But then, but then on the other hand, you look and you say, but it was seven points against Liberty. Yeah. It was what three points against WKU. Mm-hmm. You know. Then it was four points against Rice. And you're like, man, if you look at it in that in that sense, it's kind of like, can we be? That man, because we were in all of those games. It's the way we're losing the games. So now that's when I started reviewing everything and how I feel. I was like, I started feeling really conflicted. Like, how am I supposed to feel here? Yeah, no I doubt. I don't know if I'm supposed to be angry and like, no, we just need a new change of regime. Or do we say, hey, man, like, hold on, let's look at and see exactly what, what has happened. Like, we we barely lost these games. Like we were right there, you know. Mm-hmm. And then we can say half of the problems that we lost wasn't because Us. the coach did something. Right. They Debo dropped the ball. Like I mean, a coach you can't if you if you being conservative, you say no, nah, I don't want to turn over. So you run the ball right, so you won't mm-hmm. turn the ball over. Right. And you still turn the ball over. I mean, it's only so much a coach can do. Right. You know. Um, so but then again, you start wondering, like, will we be in those positions if we counter right? Like if we didn't just try to force a run or you know, like so you start going down all these things and <sighs> Yeah, it's a never ending like trap door, like you just kinda go into different scenarios and um but at the end of the day, man, I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's just frustrating. How, how do you feel, John? Like, you helped me out here. Like, I, after I'm extremely, through all of that, after I'm, after reviewing all of this, where, where are, like, how are we supposed to feel about everything? I think you have a right to feel everything that you just said, like, all, all the things. Like, um, and that's, but, you know, we get a sense of frustration from our listeners, uh, whether that's through messages, Twitter reactions, Facebook reactions, YouTube reactions, DMs, um, we 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 hear and feel all your frustrations because we feel it too. Like we are extremely frustrating. 
you know, it frustrated both of us heading into the season. Like you just mentioned, this is the most talented team this UAB football program has ever had, hands down. Like, hands down. Um, and look at this, four and three and two and two. And let's face it, crappy CUSA. Like, this is our last year in Conference USA. We have, you know, just <laughs> blown road leads, uh, turned the ball over left and right on the road. And it's just, that's a recipe for disaster. You cannot win ball games turning the ball over on the road. And that's something that hopefully changes this Saturday and UAB can finally get a road win. Um, but, I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, I feel like I guess they're still technically not out of the Conference USA championship race with two losses. But, honestly, it feels like it because you've got two teams that have got tiebreakers over. You've got Rice has got a tiebreaker over you. You've got a head-to-head tiebreaker. You've got WKU that's got a head-to-head. So you're going to need both of those teams to lose a couple of games on top of (laughs) winning this Saturday and then beating UTSA and then beating North Texas. Like, I don't know, man. I I hope they turn it around. But as of this this moment, I think this year is a failure. I mean, because we're not going to compete for a Conference USA championship as of right now unless things change. Like, it's a failure, and you you can you can say, hey, well, hey, we can still make a bowl game all you want, but we're our, we're our goals heading into the twenty twenty two season, saying, hey, if we get to a if we if UAB plays in the Birmingham Bowl, that's a great season. No, it's not. We all had expectations of getting to a conference USA championship and hopefully winning one, you know, against UTSA, which UTSA is definitely going to be in the conference USA championship the way things look right now. Um, so yeah, I one hundred percent agree with you, Darian. I am frustrated as well. It, it feels like we, you know, you look at the Liberty game, Rice game, and uh, WKU game, and it's also like you sat back and watched the same game three times, knowing damn well what was going to happen all three times, especially after the first two. Like when he when Zeno threw that last interception, it's like you just throw your hands up. Like, hey, I mean, <laughs> you know, you you do this to yourselves. Like it's extremely frustrating. Now, as far as like looking at the coaching staff. I agree 100% with you. Vincent cares about this program. Vincent cares about these kids. I think these kids care care about Vincent and want to win for him. But so far, they just haven't been able to get it done on the road, man. And I mean, I don't, I don't want us to go into get any further into that uh, thick of the woods. At least not for a couple more weeks, but. I don't know, man. As we sit right now, yeah, the season's a failure. Like, I mean, we still have a few more games to prove, hopefully win and get back in that Conference USA Championship race. But if you told me the goal of the season was to get to a bowl game, that's a lie. That is not what Bill Clark built this program. And I get Bill Clark is not coaching this team. But, I mean, those are the expectations of this UAB football program to compete for conference championship games. And right now, we're not. We're, we're, we're looking like, you know, in the WKU preview, we said, hey, this game is going to tell if UAB is a contender or a pretender. And right now this team looks like a bunch of pretenders. And, I mean, let's just be let's just be real. And that and that's the toughest part of it, because. And I know people are going to hate what we're saying right now, like people are going to hate what we're saying, because we know we've got people that within the program that listen and we love these guys. I mean, we see it. Darian, we see how much they care, how hard they practice. But at the end of the day, it's about results. 
And that's that's the thing about college football. Like, you know, especially if you're a team that has expectations. You know, it's you can easily lay out this happened, this happened, look at this, da da da. Then it's like, well, who won? Who exactly. who, who won or lost? You know, I don't care, you know. It can be 500 yards to a team that gained 150. Who won the game, you know? And look, and you sit back these last three road games and you look and say, there's a common denominator in why you lost all three of those games? Like, no. Like, if it was something different each time, okay, you know, I can get it, but you lost the same way all three times on the road. That's Turning the ball is. over. Like, not That's what it is. And not only turning the ball over, it's the same tenor, the same kind of feel. It's this this ickiness as a UAB fan you start feeling in that third quarter, you know, when you see two, three and out. So you see that turnover happening, and then they start celebrating on their sidelines, and then somebody rips off a, you know, a 46-yard run for a touchdown because the defense was tired and they've been out there for a long time, and they got momentum going, and then we go back out there and then it's like, oh, we get a first down, and then we fumble the ball on third, and in third, you know, on third and three, uh, a play where we had the first down. It's like here it is again, or mm-hmm. uh, you know, like like you know, in this previous game, it's like we had this holding call that set us back, and then we have a wide open pass from a guy that just cribbed it. Yeah. But then in the, in the moment that we really need it, it's dropped. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a pass that it's a good pass that Zeno made, and it's dropped and. Who knows how long he would have been running. He was wide open. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was wide open. So it's kind of like it's the same feel. And I don't know what causes that. Like, what is it? It's something. It's like a dark cloud that follows. But we just want to be able to meet these expectations. We want to be able to win these big games. And I guess the frustrating part is, like, we thought we were there. We beat beat BYU mm. and we came into this season with this stack roster and you know to be 14 points away and this is this this is where I come at like on that part I'm kind of stuck on that because like I said then you kind of go into context it's like yeah we the same tenor and everything but a lot of that the players did you know um some of those things you can't control. It's like, why are you doing that? I, and, but then when you overall looking at it, it's like, why do our players keep doing it? You know, yeah. I don't, I don't know. And it's, it's hard to blame a coach for that. I know, I know I was emotional and like, you know, during like right toward the end of the game, I was like, well, this, this is how the BV era ends. You know, mm-hmm. that was like, you know, I felt like he didn't deserve that because it was like dropping the ball, fumbling and turnovers and, stupid passes and stuff like that. But this has been the theme of every loss. But I want to come back to that. I'm not ready to say that. I really really want to see how the rest of this year plays out. Like, I know we want to be in that conference championship, and I'm I'm quite aware that we're going to need a lot to get there. We're going to need a lot of help to get there. But I think the way that we play the rest of this season out really determines a lot. Because, like I said, I think that's where that 14 points come into play. Like, we did barely lose those games. And actually, kind of listening to the guy, that uh, uh, Kevin, from 
from FAU <laughs> like we just did. Mm-hmm. Actually, he said something that was really, he was like, you kind of got to look for the floor. Like, everybody wants those high-flying, high years. I was like, man, this is a therapy session for UAB. <laughs> like, everybody wants those high-flying high, high years, but that's not realistic. What you need to do is look for the floor. You need to look for something, something to where you say, okay, that's cool. Now, like, you know what? That's really a word. Right. You know, if this guy can come out and we can rip off a couple and we can beat UTSA and and North Tech. Like, if we can kind of win out and do our thing that way, I think we really would have to review this season in the totality, you know? I, I agree. And I do want to just say real quick, you know, I, I just want to clarify that I said at this point of the season, it is a failure. Because like I, I can hear Brad in my ear. I can hear Thomas in my ear. I can hear Paul, Matthew. All the guys in my ear right now, at this point, I'm saying it is a failure. <laughs> we can still, and I'm glad you said that, Dan, we can turn this around and we'll we'll revisit this at the end of the year when we have a full year sample to, you know, kind of go over. But yeah, at this point, I mean, I don't know. I don't understand how you not, you don't say it's a failure at this point. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like, I don't, definitely. like, I don't see, I don't know. Uh, that's being real. Yeah, it is. That's, it, it that's is being, being real. real. You know. And we've You're, always preached authenticity. Authenticity with this show, and we're gonna give it to you. We're not gonna be all rainbows and sunshine. We're not gonna be just all doom and gloom all the time. But we want to be real with you guys. Yeah, and that's that's all we're doing. We're we're trying to be a bridge um, uh, and 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 an outlet for you know for your favorite team but you know we try to be a voice of the we try to be a responsible voice of the fans but we also try to bring a perspective to where you have to feel from the coaches and the players and you know you try to ball that all up in one you know because you get to know people on each side and it's it's a unique position to be in because you're down there at the practice facilities you're shaking hands with these people yep you know, I know Matt McCants is one of my, he's on the staff. He's one of my closest friends, you know, and, you know, we know these guys. I know other people on that staff. Like, you look him in the eye, you go down there, you you know, you support, and you don't want to say anything negative about them, but you're not really saying negative. You got to be real with the criticisms because you got to be responsible in what you say. Exactly. Then, you know, so it's it's really a unique position to be in on this platform that you've created, you know, um, and going down there and just seeing Coach Benson and seeing the environment that he's created, because honestly, I'm going to be real with you. Last year, there was a lot of dissension on that team. It was easy. It was playing out over social media. Mm-hmm. You can see it like players were unhappy for whatever reason. Players were unhappy. It was just weird feel you know people was getting sat down and not you know because they were it was something going on on the team and I don't know I don't know if it was coach Clark voice that got stale because sometimes you know a coach's voice can get stale and it's just time for new air I do know that this team had a has has a totally totally different feel and aura about them you know it's way more jubilant you can tell it's not so much dissension. And even now, even seeing them go through this, they haven't turned coat. They mm-hmm. are still right there 
supporting and wanting to win for Coach Benson. And to me, that means something. Yeah. I can tell you during the Neil Calloway, <laughs> oh, yeah. during the Calloway years in that locker room, then that stuff was happening, but it was it was nowhere close. It was everybody was like, "Hey man, I can't wait. You can get it over with, whatever, whatever." You know, it's just like, "Hey, oh, I'm trying to just impress these scouts, trying to see if I can get a chance at the pros." These dudes ain't thinking like that. No, not at all. So that that means something, man. That really does, and that's speaking as a former player, somebody that in in the same locker room, like. I've been without that. Trust me, you don't want that. And um, so he has this unique ability of bringing players together and keeping them together. But I just want to see, which is why we just want to see him win. So at this point, it's been a failure, barely, but it has been a failure. So in this world of college football, it doesn't yeah. matter if it's 14 points or 41 points. It's well a said. at this well point. Said. You know, it's, it's it's wins or losses is what it is at the end of the day. Especially if you're losing the same way. It's wins or losses, you know. That's it. WK, you don't care how mm-hmm. they won that game. They just know that they won. And, you know, same with Rice and Liberty. They can they can hear us cry. I bet if we was to go on their podcast, they got a totally different perspective Right. (laughs) (laughs) It ain't because what we did is because what they did. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, so um, all I'd say is, you know, we we're a family team here. That's just what we are. And that's what we built off of. Um, I. I really want to see because B. even at this point, even I because I honestly felt like if we were got knocked out right now or if we were slim to none as it is right now, I thought like, yeah, it's over. He's going to be fired. But after looking at everything and just seeing the type of, just seeing the response from the players, I'm not ready to throw in that towel for BB yet because he's got a unique skill of just galvanizing. And we do need to find a floor for this program. So maybe we won't be able to reach certain heights every year and this is this he was thrown into this as well yeah you know so maybe but maybe we can our version of north north texas last year maybe we can go on this crazy good run to end this season out and eradicate those problems that's been following us uh, you know for these years since coach clark was the head coach if we can eradicate these problems in I I would I would love to see Coach BB back, but it is certain things that we need to see, and I think that's just where we at. I think that's fair to say. I'm not I'm not I I, I walked back some of my comments and some of my emotional, tie, you know I was very emotional, very mad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I walked back some of that, but I'm ready to see something um, from Coach Benson. Definitely. Well. We got another chance this Saturday as UAB travels down to Boca Raton to take on the FAU Owls. So where where we're of a transition, man. I was gonna say yeah, <laughs> an hour and two. Okay. So if you guys are still with us, thank you. I mean, no, there the stuff all of that needed to be said. Um, so I'm glad we said it and we'll just see what happens, you know, going from here. And I, I agree hundred percent with you that I do want bb to 
have a legit shot at getting this job. He is going to need to clean up these turnovers um, moving forward. Um, but, hey, we, we can still ride the ship and have a decent year. Um, I don't know if it'll be a great year, um, but we can still have a good year. Um, and yeah, probably, probably can't make an A-plus, but maybe we can make a B-plus, you know? Right. So. I agree. Well, speaking of a team that is very uh, just like UAB, the FAU Owls, you know, come into this matchup Saturday night at three and five and two and two in Conference USA play. Now, lucky for them, they get to host the UAB Blazers um, because if they were on the road, they would probably lose this game because like UAB, FAU has not won a road game this year. (laughs) In fact, they have not won a road game dating back until October of 2021. So it's been over a year since they won a road game. So um, these two teams are, hey, let's face it, this is a must-win game. If whoever drops this game, you worry about the just the, the floor just breaking. You, you know what I'm saying? Like this this could get worse or it could get better or it could get worse before it could get better for the loser. Like, you know, if FAU loses, they drop to three and six. UAP loses, they go to four and four, two and three in conference play with the gauntlet schedule that we just mentioned earlier uh, upcoming for the Blazers. Um, so, hey, it's gut check time, man. You know, I, time. I, you've got to find a way to win on the road. And this is what I said on Twitter. This is what we've said plenty of times, Darren and I on this podcast. Find a way to win and just don't turn the freaking ball over. So if UAB can go into Boca and not turn the ball over and run it down these owls' throats, which they can do, then I like UAB's chances coming this Saturday night. Like, But if, if UAB, if FAU forces some turnovers, which they are really good at doing, then UAB could be in for a long night where things might could even get ugly with Nikosi Perry at quarterback at FAU and that run game that they have. Um, but as Darian mentioned, um, we did have a wonderful interview with uh, Kevin Fielder that uh, is the manager of Owls 247 and does a great job covering FAU um, and also writes on the AAC for the Underdog Dynasty SB Nation site. Um, and we'll roll that interview in a few minutes. But, I mean, it's so weird just seeing how just to like these two programs are, and, and they're both about to transition to a new conference together. Yeah, man, and I think they probably had it a little worse than we have uh, this year. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think this one is important. Now, I think our turning, I think our our tenor and tone changes a little bit more if we drop this one. Let's be mm-hmm. real. So mm-hmm. whoever drops this game, I don't think I think that patience and that grace is going to be like, all right, buddy, <laughs> you know. Yeah. There's yeah. there's patience and it's grace and then it's like come on what are we doing like you said what with this with this um, gauntlet coming up you know this is the position that we're in and um you know hearing Coach Bryant Vincent speak you know it's a lot about moving forward and having to take the next steps and having to get better okay you know we can keep saying that and we can and I believe that but it it gets to a certain point when it's say hey man you just talking you just talking you know at yeah. this point. You know, but we're still there to where we can buy into it, honestly. And I know that's not for us to buy into, but hey, man, I, I saw somebody say, you know, these players, I, it hurts them the most. It hurts the players and coaches most. And I've never been a coach on this level, but I've been a player. And now I've been, I'm, I'm a real Vista fan. And I'm going to be honest with y'all. It might hurt 
certain games hurt worse as a fan it, or just mm-hmm. as much. And I'm being real because you're vested just as much as these players because a lot of time the players, you got some players that kind of just leave the program alone. They just, do, you know, they go about their life never to care about. I'm not going to tell a fan that's been a fan of UAB for 30 years or, you know, however long your dad has been, you know, your mm-hmm. dad, uh, John. Right. Right. He's been a part of this program forever. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to sit here and tell him that, you know, the players, and man, they hurt more. They're out there working. Well, they guess what? Unless somebody just went to work. I'm not a rich guy. I'm not rich at all. I have a mm-hmm. decent job, and I have kids. I've got three daughters. Right. I bought season tickets just to support this program, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, that ain't free. That ain't cheap. You know, and you go here and you buy snacks and you, you, you do what you can to invest in this program. And um, so when those losses hit, they hit you just as hard as the players. I've been on the other side of it, so I can speak on that. I can. And I'm a guy that cared a lot. I still do, just like I was a player. Right. So we, and with that being said, like something is owed to the fans. It just is. That's just the way of college football, you know, so. <sighs> guys, you know, where do we go from here? We can't tell you. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we're just being honest. Yeah, we, we, hey, a lot's riding on what happens in both the Saturday night. Um, <laughs> I mean, and you know, we'll do an instant reaction Saturday night to what happens in Boca. Um, real quick, though, I do want to mention that, you know, as bad as this FAU team is on the road, they are pretty good at home. They're three and one at home. The only loss is to uh, UCF. Which Kevin in the interview mentions, you know, this game was actually kind of close uh, in the first half, and then UCF kind of blew it wide open in the second half. Um, but that's a good UCF team. I think the blueprint to beating FAU is exactly what UTEP did this past week. You know, UTEP beat FAU in El Paso 24 to 21, but honestly, all they did was just run right at them. They ran right at them the whole game, and they busted maybe three or four long runs and they ended up being the game. Like they ended up getting uh, 234 yards rushing, um, but that's on 41 rushing attempts. Mm. Um, so, I mean, they really just kind of wore down FAU that game and look for UAB to try to do the same thing. Um, especially if Zeno is the starting quarterback this Saturday. And especially, and we talk about, I hate, Kind of bring that up, and I, I don't know if he was going away from that or not, but especially with the injury they have on the other side. So, yes, no, you can go into that. Yeah, yeah, you know, that leading tackler is out. So, hey, you know, he was the guy, you know, to really help you. That, they'll go into it more, but with him being out and you know, run, run it, run it at him, and then you know, just keep him honest here and there was you know, um, if Z, if Zeno is the guy now, Dylan is the guy, you know, open up that playbook. So. Exactly. And, and, you know, Eddie Williams is the, was, is the leading tackler for FAU, but he got hurt in the opening kickoff against UTEP. Um, but he will be out for this game against UAB. So that is very good news um, for UAB because he was the run stopper. Um, and, you know, he, he got hurt in the opening kickoff. Um, I hate it for him. I hope he bounces back. Um, but that's honestly partly why UTEP was able to run it down their throats and they couldn't stop them, especially as they got the game got later on and they started busting some of those big runs. Um, UAB's just going to have to do that. Um, I mean, and you look at FAU on the offensive side of the ball, 
Same quarterback UAB saw last year, Nikosi Perry, uh, senior quarterback. He's thrown for 17 touchdowns, 1,800 yards, uh, dual-threat quarterback. He's got three rushing touchdowns. Um, but just speed. I mean, that's what that's what they all they've always recruited well at FAU, um, and they always have speedsters. And you look at their wide receiver, Lejonte Webster. I mean, this guy can burn you. He's a super speedy wide receiver. He's already got 48 catches, eight touchdowns, um, over 500 yards of the season. Um, they've got really talented running backs, which uh, you know Kevin mentions in our interview. Larry McCammon, uh, Johnny Ford, uh, just really talented running backs. So all that being said, since we're already at an hour, um, over an hour, 12, um, Darren, you, do we want to go into predictions and then we'll throw on the interview? Um, or do you want to say anything else before we go into predictions? Yeah, we'll go into predictions. Uh, I think we done said everything. It's going to be a really long blaze of power, but I think that's, I think the time link is going to attract people because they're going to hear want to hear everything that we have to say here. 100% agree. Hopefully we was able to, you know, articulate, articulate it, you know, a lot of those feelings and do it in a rational way. We didn't want to be irrational. We didn't want to be emotional. We wanted to kind of over oversee everything. And honestly, I wanted to just kind of really show like how important that that relationship is, like the skill that BB possesses. I just wanted people to value that correctly. Right. And kind of review everything, looking forward and say, hey, man, let's not I'm talking to myself too. like, let's not close the door yet on him, you know, because of how close we haven't gone, gotten blown out or anything like that. And we've been in every game. Um, but, you know, and some of this is just growing pains. And honestly, seeing, seeing the penalties you know, get better like they have is something that we've cried about for a lot, and that's got better. So the turnovers can get better too, and you know, and we'll just see moving forward. Let's just not close the door. Let's have an open mind, and let's just see where it goes. And you know, it's still a chance uh, for us to to ride some momentum for the program and, and to be better. So with that being said, I think that you know that leading tackler out, FAU's leading tackler is out. Um, I think we're the best best rushing attack in CUSA when we don't fumble the ball. I believe that Debo won't fumble the ball this game. Therefore, I believe we win the game. Um, I would say 37-21. Nice, nice. Um, so I've, I've actually, it's the first time since we've been doing this uh, this year. I've, I've got it going the other way. Um, I've got FAU coming out on top, 31 to 28. And I just, I want to see it, man. I, I've, I've got, I just, from what I've seen UAB on the road uh, through three games, I can't not say they're not going to turn the ball over. And I'm just worried that if we turn the ball over a couple times, whether that's a fumble from a running back or a quarterback throwing a couple interceptions, I'm just worried about it just getting worse. Um, I hope the goodness that I'm wrong about this prediction, but I've got it FAU 31, UAB 28. Let me let me go down to 28-21 UAB because I forgot that Dylan's not playing in this game. Oh, well, yeah. I don't know. Well, we don't know not. that. Yeah, but when we're recording Monday night, I, I, I've got the feel he's not going to. And that's just a precautionary. Um, but, hey. I mean, he can get cleared Friday and then be on the, or Thursday and be on the bus, you know, Friday or whatever. So I'm um, gonna be on the plane yeah. down to Boca. So but I don't know, but as of right now, yeah, I, I lean more towards uh, 
Zeno playing and then Lucero backing him up. Uh, and I and I just I feel like every game we kind of wanted them every road game we wanted to be like okay this is the moment they learn from okay no this is the moment they learn from this is the, my last time saying that. So that's that that's why I'm going 28-21 UAB. Yeah. We get on this road and we have three lost fumbles and two interceptions. I'm be like, it ain't no learning. Like this is who they are. Like right. So if people show you who they are enough times, you believe it. And that's that's kind of how I am right now, Darren. I'm kind of like prove me wrong mentality. So I, I hope they prove me wrong and we don't have a single turnover. But from what I've seen so far on the road, I, I just I can't see it. So, uh, but I hope your I hope your prediction's right and we get the dub, whether it's by one point or. 28-21, like you just said. Hey, I just want us to somehow pull out a victory in Boca, right this ship. We got two tough games after FAU, but hey, they're in protective stadium, and UAB plays well at home. They have. so we can, This can really be a springboard. And they need it so bad. This team needs this win so bad. Like, if they go 4-4, four and four, I'm just – I'm going to have bad feelings. Yeah, um, it's going to be like Jelly Walker. Let's yeah. talk about Jelly Walker, Eric Gaines. <laughs> <laughs> hey, exactly. Hey, bring on basketball season. <laughs> hey, they start November 1st, exhibition against Mississippi College. So we are getting close. Um, and I think the first game is that next Monday, the 7th, against Alabama State. So I definitely can't wait to talk basketball. But, hey, if they <laughs> if they drop Saturday, we're going to be wanting to talk basketball sooner than <laughs> later. <laughs> that reminds me in high school. Oh, and, yeah. My best friend, we was playing against this team that was uh, notoriously poor in in football, right? Uh-huh. But they were but they were good in uh, basketball. This is funny. I know this off the off the point, but it reminded me he was out there. He played receiver. He said the cornerback lined up on him. He said, "Hmm, what's up, number 80? He was like, "You you play basketball, don't you?" He was, I forgot. He was like, "You number five or something like that." He told me he was like. <laughs> You gonna see me on the court? This dude had no interest. <laughs> he was in the middle of the game. He had no interest in like knowing like anything. Like, he didn't care. He knew they was gonna get blown out. He was like, yes, yeah, it's, it's basketball season is right around the corner. So I don't want us to feel like that. I don't. I don't want us to be in the thick of football and just be like, yeah, you know, I can't wait to see the basketball team. You know, so we'll see though. Definitely. Well, all right, guys, we will go ahead and roll our interview that we've had with uh, Kevin Fielder of the uh, Fielder. Sorry, Kevin Fielder of Owls 247 and Underdog Dynasty. But we will be back Saturday night to recap what happened to Boca. Go Blazers. Blazer Victory Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. And we are pleased to be joined by Kevin Fielder this evening. Uh, the manager of Owls247, and also writes about the AAC on Underdog Dynasty. Kevin, how are you doing this evening? You know, guys, I'm doing great. Uh, you know, we finally got a little bit of cold weather down here. It's not super cold yet, but anything like under 90 degrees is perfect down here. So for the next week and a half, I'm feeling great. After that, I'll probably be miserable for another two months. But I was, <laughs> Kevin, I was about to say, this is the first time I heard from somebody down south, like, it's like, yeah, I'm glad that we got a little cold weather. Like, <laughs> you know, like I'm not used to it. <laughs> you know, Darian, anyone who says that they love the 95 degree weather is 
either a liar or a masochist because <laughs> I'm entirely convinced that it's like the worst thing ever, but they just want to say that it's true because they've all moved down here and they've all signed a death wish to live down here. So, <laughs> you know, you got to lie about something, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> There you go. Well, Kevin, you know, you do a great job just kind of running things for Alice 247 and covering FAU and also covering the AAC for Underdog Dynasty. So just thanks again for hopping on with us this evening. And guys, if you are not following Kevin on Twitter, make sure you give him a follow at the Kevin Fielder on Twitter. Just great content. And hey, just Monday, Monday afternoon, you know, I was able to get very good content, you know, from Kevin that, hey, their FAU's leading tackler is going to be out for the, uh, for the FAU UAB game. So that is huge news for UAB. But hey, if you want to get more info on FAU, definitely give Kevin a follow. And I guess let's just go ahead and start there, Kevin. So what does that mean for FAU's defense? I mean, from the outside looking in, you know, I know he got hurt really early on in the UTEP game. And if, maybe I should say his name, Eddie Williams, uh, the linebacker, um, got hurt really early in the UTEP game last week. But what does this mean for the defense? Like, cause I mean, he's the <laughs> team leader in tackles. Like, yes. Yeah, so every time that we've spoken to, you know, the defensive coordinator, Tom Orlando and Willie Taggart, anytime anyone's ever asked about Eddie Williams, it's he's the leader. He's, he's one of the leaders of this defense. He's critical for what we want to do against the run. He's arguably FAU's best run defender outside of Evan Anderson. And, the things that he can do, you know, to go from sideline to sideline. He's not the tallest, but he's incredibly athletic and he can close down a lot of angles. It's a huge loss. Uh, you know, I think you saw uh, he actually went out on the opening kickoff. And so they didn't have him for any of the defensive possessions in the game. And they allowed like 230 yards rushing and they allowed a couple of big time chunk plays because the guys that they have behind him just aren't experienced. Uh, Justice Cross and Jalen Wester. It's expected that Jalen Wester will start at that position, uh, Coach Taggart said. But, you know, Jalen Wester is a true freshman who who hasn't gotten a ton of defensive snaps. And Justice Cross, I believe, is a, a second-year freshman or, you know, maybe like a third year. He's really young. He has not got a lot of experience. You know, this is just a team that is not deep at that position in terms of experience. Uh, you know, I think Jalen Wester is a very talented player and he made a lot of big time plays against UTEP, but, you know, he's just not the same. You know, he's not Eddie Williams. So losing Eddie Williams in a game like this, especially against a team like UAB, is huge, especially against the run, because, you know, that's sort of where FAU has struggled throughout the year is sort of stopping some of these teams on, uh, you know, when they run the football and not having your one of your best run defenders out there is a significant loss, uh, you know, for the Owls defense. Yeah, and I think, too, just looking at this season, Kevin, um, I mean, when FAU is able to stop the run and, of course, first force turnovers, they do a really good job on defense. Like, you look just a couple weeks ago kind of at that, you know, FAU-Rice game. Rice coming in hot after, you know, upsetting UAB, and FAU holds them to, what was it, 64 yards rushing and forces yeah. three turnovers? I mean, wow. My goodness. So, but then you look at the flip side, like you just mentioned this past week, UTEP, I mean, giving up what, 230 and letting UTEP just grind it out, especially in that second half and just kind of pull away. So, um, <laughs> UAB fans are probably licking their chops now. Um, that that guy <laughs> wants to be on the field this Saturday. I hate it for him and I hope he's able to bounce back. Um, but I don't know. I mean, that yeah, kind of changes I mean, my whole thought process on this game. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, he was so important. You know, he had gotten hurt in the Rice game, if I remember correctly, but he had not mm. been, you know, banged up to the point where, like, I don't believe he could play. But 
they were able to stop the run that game, and that's why they were able to win. Because when you FAU has talked so much this year about wanting to turn teams into one dimensional, uh, mm-hmm. you know, wanting them to become either pass heavy or run heavy, and being able to stop that only. So, you know, against UTEP, there was a drive where they had, uh, you know, it was the last drive of the game. FAU had gotten the the extra point to tie the game, and look, one of the most sickos committee plays I've ever seen. Oh, that was uh, insane. <laughs> I, I I still don't know how to explain what happened, but. Uh, you know, they they had gotten the extra point and there was still like, I think, like two and a half, three minutes left in the game. And they just drove the ball down the field by running the football, getting a couple of key passes. And they were able to take the last kick of the game to win the game. Like, that's just sort of the problem with FAU is they're not built to be able to withstand those kind of drives, you know. And it's it's fine to not be because I think like a lot of teams in college probably aren't built to withstand, you know, four minute drives, five minute drives. But there's been a few of them for FAU this year, and it's so critical that they need to be able to stop the running, especially against a team like like UAB, uh, you know, where they have one of the best running backs in, in the conference in McBride. And so FAU needs to find a way to stop the run and not having one of your best run defenders, especially at the linebacker position, is just a, a massive loss to what they what they want to do defensively. OK, Kevin, so. You know, we're a couple. We are we are a couple conference games in now. Um, just a couple games in period. We're like in the middle of the season here. And what is your overall pulse on the team? Like, is it a disappointment this year, or what are what are what are FAU fans feeling about this team? It's a disappointment. I mean, mm. there's there's really no other way to put it. They haven't won on the road in over a year. They haven't. You know, there's been a couple of games this year where it felt like they could win the game. Uh, you know, the UCF game, it was close going into halftime, and then it all sort of fell apart for FAU. And, you know, then you look at the Ohio game, and it was a three-point loss where they had a chance to win the game on the final drive. And, you know, you look at the Purdue game, and it was a similar situation where they had a chance to win the game uh, late, and they just, you know, they get uh, stopped, excuse me. Then you have the UTEP game. It's like these sort of games keep happening for FAU, and it's, I think, becoming to get a little bit frustrated for everyone players coaches fans you know there there's definitely i think an added sense of pressure that you know suddenly these games become a little bit more must win uh coach taggart went out when i asked him if this game against uab is a must win he said all of these next four games are must wins <laughs> uh you know and it's it's really true because they really don't have a lot of room for error in terms of making a bowl game uh mm-hmm. and i think they're got three and five right now so they can really afford to lose maybe one more game uh, but, you know, you're still not guaranteed a bowl game at six and six. So they want to be able to try and win this win out. And now they get to the point where it's like their toughest stretch in conference of having to play teams like UAB, Western Kentucky, uh, you know, even middle Tennessee, who's looked good this year. So I think that there's so much pressure around the team now of like things need to change or we're not going to be able to make a bowl game. And it's going to be another year of, you know, finishing short of the ultimate goal and, you know, finishing short of where you want to be as a program and and just piggybacking off of that really quick what do you what do you believe what do you attest to uh these disappointments y'all having in these some of these games are close what is the main thing that you would attest to this season not turning out the way fans wanted it to i think the biggest thing and you know the biggest thing that i stress in football and one of the biggest things i think in my honest opinion is like winning the middle eight and for anyone who doesn't know what the middle eight is it's the last four minutes of the second quarter and the first four minutes of the third quarter and it's 
sort of well agreed upon that if you can win those middle eights, you have a far better chance of winning. FAU just has not been able to. They don't finish halves well, and they don't start the second half well at all. You know, there's been so many times this year where they sort of come out flat. They sort of struggle in the second half. Uh, you know, they'll allow big time drives and touchdowns, and they, uh, you know, then on the offensive side, they're three and out, three and out, three and out. So, uh, you know, I look back to the the UCF game, and I've it, it's escaped me what it was at halftime, but I believe it was like a two or three point game. It was it was definitely like a one score game, and it felt like FAU had a chance to win that game because UCF was giving them chances to score, and you know FAU's offense just wasn't executing, but it felt like something could change. And then you enter the second half, and UCF scores a quick touchdown. Then FAU goes three and out. Uh, and then, you know, they score again. So now suddenly it's a 14-point swing in the matter of minutes. And that's sort of been the problem for FAU in a lot of these losses is, you know, when you need to try and win, which especially coming up the second half, they just have not been able to figure it out. Uh, you know, and it seems like every week there's a new problem in terms of starting the second half, uh, especially on the road. At home, I think they've been a little bit better. But, uh, you know, there's just been so many problems on the road that continue to compound themselves every time they play. Uh, you know, away from home. Well, Kevin, kind of looking at this year's FAU team, um, what what's the offensive philosophy this year? Is it the same as what UAB fans saw last year with just Nikosi Perry um, as the main attraction on offense, or have they switched things up, like trying to get the run game involved more? Or what 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 do you believe the Owls' of offensive philosophy is for this season, or at least so far? They want to run the football. I mean, they have two really good running backs this year who have really sort of, uh, you know, separated themselves from the pack and Larry McCammon and Sue Barry Mobley. And then uh, recently they've gotten Johnny Ford back and, uh, you know, office coordinator Brent Dearman compared Johnny Ford to like Tyler hero. He's, he's a sixth man. He's, you know, he's, he's your energy guy. He's the guy you try and give those explosive touches to. So they want to run the football. They want to be able to establish the run, uh, you know, open up a lot more in the passing game and, when they've been able to run the ball effectively, they've been able to win games because it opens up so much more for Nkosi Perry. It allows the passing game to win deep, and that's sort of what they're built for. They've got so many speed guys and so many guys who could win, you know, deep. And, you know, you look at, like, LeJonte Western, Jamal Ledrin, uh, you know, who have sort of separated themselves as the two leading wide receivers. They're guys who can win vertically, win down the field. And so when, I, when FAU is able to run the football, it takes – uh, you know, it takes the safety away from the box and it allows them to do so much. Uh, so they want to run the football and when they're able to run the football, they do well when they have to start trying to throw the football a little bit more and try and, you know, expand the offense like that. They've struggled. And I, I can't really pinpoint why I've really tried to, but I think it's just like an execution thing where they're just not executing when they have to throw the football a little bit more. And so those problems continue to compound themselves. It's been a problem since really like week two of the year. And so, you know, hopefully they've sort of figured themselves out because this team has been so close to winning a lot of these games uh, on the road. And it's like a couple one score games go a different way. And you're now looking at a team that's competing for the Conference USA championship game, but they haven't gone the other way. So you're looking at a team who's fighting for a chance at a bowl game. So, Kevin, right now, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I kind of feel like UAB and FAU are trauma twins. You know, a lot of a lot of the things that we are 14 points away from being undefeated. That is very, very tough pill to swallow. But a lot of the problems that you've stated, the middle eight, you know, that's been one of those things. And, you know, that's kind of not clicking all the way on the passing game. So I just want you to know I really didn't have a question. I just wanted you to know. <laughs> 
that I sympathize, I empathize with you, and um, it's gonna be okay. <laughs> you know, you know, you know. Maybe I, I think that UCF and FA or no, UCF, uh, FAU and UAB may just be like that Spider-Man pointing meme, and they're pointing <laughs> right? with all the same problems. Uh, yes. Because I've, I've watched a couple of UAB games, and it's there are been points where I've visibly gone, "Am I just watching an FAU game?" Because it's some some of the same problems on both sides of the ball sort of exist for both teams, and it's it's sort of funny how. They're in very similar situations and, you know, may be in similar situations throughout the year. Uh, So, you know, I guess worst case, we can always just enjoy, uh, you know, watching the same team play on offensive defense. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you guys, you guys are 100 percent right. Like, you know, I haven't watched a lot of FAU film, but kind of watching that whole UTEP game and, and, you know, most of a couple of the UCF game. But like especially the UTEP game, you look at FAU's like kind of dominating on offense and then they'll have a head scratching like fumble like scoop and UTEP will run it back like 50 yards and it's like man UAB is in the same boat like especially on the road like you, you Debo will bust out Dwayne McBride will bust this big run wide open and then he'll just you know get 30 yards downfield and forget he has to put both hands on the ball and then they'll <laughs> strip it and run it back the other way it's like head scratching like what is going on so uh, yeah we definitely feel you there there Uh, have been a few a a few turnovers for FAU this year uh you know john or john you mentioned that you watched the utip game that fumble by Perry in the red zone where Mm -hmm. you know it's just sort of like what are you doing and there's been a few (laughs) this year uh where you're just like here we go again i think it's like the sense among FAU fans of like ah crap it's happening again (laughs) this script has played out so much that I think a lot of FAU fans are almost nauseated by like seeing some of these turnovers happen when they do. And they're, they're backbreaking turnovers. You know, you can't have turnovers in the red zone because right. you always have to, you always want to get points from the red zone, ideally touchdowns, but you know, still getting three when you can is important. And that may have been the difference against UTEP is, you know, you get that, that field goal there. Now you're looking at a completely different complexity to the game, but, you know, those those turnovers you got to find a way to avoid because for FAU, they've been backbreakers. And Kevin, I'm glad you mentioned the red zone. So like looking at FAU's defense, honestly, I mean, they look like a good defense overall, but it looks like they are struggling when teams are able to get in the red zone. Like what? And this ain't even just like scoring most of the time. This is putting touchdowns in the end zone. Like what what do you attest that to on the defense? Like, is it just they kind of give up when the team takes it down to the end zone or what, what do you think happens? Uh, you know, I think it's just, they're just not really built like that. I think that they're like, some teams are built to be really good in the red zone. Other mm-hmm. teams are built to fly to the football and make plays. Uh, you know, FAU wants to be a really aggressive de- uh, team defensively. They want to send pressure. They want to put their cornerbacks on islands. That's what Todd Orlando is as a defensive coordinator. It's what he was at USC at, at Texas. And, you know, FAU just don't ha- doesn't really have the guys for that. So when you th- when they try and get aggressive, they're leaving these cornerbacks on islands. They bite. They they get beat. You know, it's just sort of been the same problem throughout the year of like when teams get to the red zone. FAU's not built, I think. You know, in in my opinion, uh, not built to go. You know, hard hat on hard at. Let's let's put big guy against big guy and win. Like mm-hmm. I don't think that's what FAU is. Uh, and so they really have to be a team that's able to get stops before that point or. You know, ideally you get them into situations where they have to throw the football and you can create a turnover because that's where FAU can really win is if they can create the turnovers, they're a team that's so good, uh, you know, at doing so at times. And just a matter of like, 
you got to create the turnovers, and turnovers is obviously a luck thing at times. But well, they shouldn't have the any turnover. problem this Saturday. They shouldn't have any So, so Kevin, just real quick, just like overall program direction. Um, you know, I feel like during the the era of the Lane Train, it feel it feels like there was a big party, like that was a big. 70s party where it was like you know drugs and everybody it was everybody was riding high you know just like the 70s and then reality here we are lane is not here and um you fau is in this precarious position right now um where do you see the program heading and what's your fears you know i think i think it's like you go to the aac you want to be a successful team in the aac like it's it's not a thing where you want to go to the AAC and to not take a shot at any team in particular. You don't want to be current day USF. You don't want to be current day Temple. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't want to be in those situations. And I'm sure that USF fans and Temple fans are not going to be my mentions if they're listening to this. But <laughs> you know you don't want to be those kind of teams. You want to be a team that's successful in the AAC. And so I think you need to figure out some of these problems and you know figure out what the direction of the program is from there. But you know, I always say, you know, I think that the Lane Kiffin years at FAU were very successful, obviously. You know, you win two Conference USA championships. You you win two Boca Bowls. You do everything you need to do as a program. That's not sustainable. There aren't many group of five teams that could be that good for that for a long time. I mean, you look right. at across college football, how many teams are that successful for over six, seven years? It's like Boise State. It's you know, current day U.S. UCF is probably in that situation, but there aren't many teams that are that good for so long. So fans obviously want FAU to be in that spot and fans would love for FAU to be that good consistently, but that's also not realistic. But you still need to be a team, especially if you're FAU, where you're in this big recruiting hotbed and, you know, five minutes down the road, there's a high school that produces D1 kids every year. And it's like, a, you know, there's they're, they're feeding these kids something because I swear to God, they're all really athletic. But um it's you have to be a team that constantly is making bowl games and winning bowl games. Like you have to find the floor. The floor has got to be built for FAU. I think is, you know, you have got to find a way to write the ship a little bit in the sense of like, it's not make a, not make a bowl game or win 10 games. Like you have to find those years where you win seven, eight games and you're just a respectable team because that's fine. You know, being a group of five team that's consistently in a bowl game and consistently being a respectable program. And, you know, you get a couple of big time program wins for FAU. And, you know, I think you're still looking for that big time program win. you know, haven't been able to beat UCF. They haven't been able to beat a, a power five team for 12 years or, or whatever. You know, FAU still looking for that. Uh, and I think that that's sort of the biggest thing in the future is finding that that uh, that floor, finding that middle ground of like, you know, we're going to be a seven, eight win team. Some years we're going to find a way to win 10 games. And, you know, that's just going to be what we are. And because that's fine. You know, I think that like everyone wants to be the team that's, you know, riding high all the time. Everyone wants to be UCF. That's why everyone says like, that's why you ask any AD. They're all like, oh, well, we want to be UCF. We want to have the same blueprint as UCF. That's not sustainable. Like you, that's just not possible. Like UCF caught fire and they were able to build something. That doesn't mean that every group of five program could be that. And FAU needs to find the the years where they're seven and five, eight and four, and they make bowl games and they win those bowl games. Because I think that'll be the the, the biggest thing for FAU is trying to find those years because that's where programs sort of become a little bit more sustainable. 
Oh, that was a really, really good answer. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I get so asked too. that question a lot. I get asked that question a lot, and it's like, you know, I, I would love for FAU to be in the Lane Kiffin years where they're ten and two, and you've got a a toy train running around the campus. But guys, Lane Kiffin's not there anymore. <laughs> you can't right. clone Lane Kiffin. Right. As yeah. much so, as Lane Kiffin probably would love to be cloned, but <laughs> right. Well, Kevin, what's so? What's the FAU fan base's overall thoughts on Willie Taggart right now. I mean, I know like this year, I mean, there's still time to write the ship and get it, you know, going in the right direction and hopefully get to a bowl game. But I mean, with Charlotte making the change, and I know I'm pretty sure you wrote about that on Underdog Dynasty, but with Charlotte making the change with Will Healy, is that just kind of added pressure for Taggart? And if he doesn't make it to a bowl game, maybe FAU decides to go another direction as well heading into the AAC? Yeah, you know, I don't want to speculate as to like what is going to happen at the end of the year because there is still mm-hmm. five games left and right. know, there's still so many things can change in five games. You see this all the time, but I think that there needs to be wins. There needs to be yeah. results on the field because college football is a results driven industry across the board. You have to have results. Uh, you know, there are very, very few teams that are content with being mediocre. There are very few programs that are content with being mediocre. And those are the programs that everyone jokes about. You know, the, the programs that are not content with being mediocre are the ones who make the coaching changes, who are the ones who try and, and swing for fences, uh, you know, and I think FAU is in that spot. And so, you know, there's pressure, definitely. Uh, you know, I, I asked Willie Taggart today if, there, if he feels like there's an added sense of pressure, and he said that, you know, there's pressure every week for what we want to be, and he's constantly said that they want to be a, a championship-caliber program. They want to go back to what they were, uh, you know, under Lane Kiffin. And so if you want to be that, you got to win games. Mm-hmm. You're you're not going to be a championship program if you go six and six, seven and five every year. Uh, you know, I think that there needs to this year there should definitely be a bowl game. Uh, you know, those were the expectations going into the year, uh, and those those expectations don't change. You know, they they haven't been decimated by injuries to the point where those expectations can change. So I, I'm not going to speculate for the future, but I think that there definitely needs to be wins on the field, uh, and there needs to be results because that's what college football is. It's you know, it's it's not a what have you done for me. 10 years ago or five years ago. What have you done for me in the last few years? Uh, and right now it just had FAU has not been to that point uh, and, and something has to change. Right. Right. Well, I just got one more question. Um, so Kevin, what, what does UAB need to do this Saturday to get its first road win of the season? And also what does FAU need to not allow um, UAB to do to help FAU get another home win? Holy crap, these programs are just the same thing, right? They are, yeah. I mean, UAB has not won on the road all year. And this, you hadn't either, yeah. So. yeah. This has been a big therapy session, that's all. So. I, I, I'm greatly concerned. I'm greatly concerned that you would say now the American are going to have two teams that are just clones in different states. But, uh, you know, I think that the biggest thing for uh, UAB is you got to get pressure on Nkosi Perry. You know, that's what UTEP was able to do. Uh, you know, they, they were able to get pressure on the quarterback and they were able to create some some plays where Kosi just had to sort of process things very quickly and try and get plays. And the other thing is, if you could stop the run for FAU, you're going to win the game because FAU is an offense that's built on running the football. And so many teams haven't been able to stop their running game because they're really deep at that position. They've got like three running backs who are incredibly talented. So. If you do that on the offensive side of the ball, you're going to beat FAU most of the time, and you're going to be able to hold FAU to lower scoring totals. Uh, you know, when when uh, UAB is on the field, I don't know why I keep wanting to say UCF, but when UAB is on offense and 
you know, FAU's defense is on the field is if you can get chunk plays, if you can get a couple of explosive plays and put FAU on their heels, that's where FAU sort of struggles. Uh, you know, the game really changed for UTEP when they got a 77 or something yard run by Deion Hawkins. And that's sort of where everything changed. You know, the whole complexity of the game changes. That's happened so many times this year of like big time chunk plays is where FAU sort of get beat. Uh, so if you can find those chunk plays, uh, UAB will have a good chance to win the game. For FAU, I think it starts with trying to stop uh, Dwayne McBride. You know, he's, I'm going to keep saying he's probably the best running back in conference. USA. He's one of the best running backs in group in, in the group of five. And the things that he can do on the field are incredible. So if FAU can find ways to stop him or probably the better word is neutralize him because I don't think you could truly stop him. But if you can find ways to neutralize him and allow whoever the quarterback is to throw, because I know that what your quarterback's in concussion protocol. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that the, is, is that the, what we're running with for that? So, uh, you know, yeah, he's, he's day to day right now. If you, if you're asking me, but Monday night, October 24th, I think Zeno gets to start Saturday. Yeah. So, you know, Zeno is fine. Like, I don't think he's bad. I don't think Zeno's bad, but he's, not good he's, he's just like okay <laughs> he's okay yeah. you know i think it's like definitely a guy who could run the offense so if you can you sort of want to try to turn that offense into you know let zeno beat you or let uh god his uh, the starting quarterback's name is escape me i don't know why it's hopkins uh, dylan hopkins yeah. yeah hopkins so like you want to try and get the quarterback to throw the football a little bit more and that's what their fau has been really good is if when they can turn teams one-dimensional they're able to keep games close. They're able to win these games. So that's going to be the biggest thing for FAU. Uh, you know, for FAU's offense, it's just running the football, you know, finishing in the red zone, avoiding the stupid mistakes. Like, I, I just I just sound like every head coach in the nation right now. Like, we just need to do what every good team does. But, like, it's really what it is. It's just it's limiting mistakes for FAU because they've been so close to winning so many of these games, but they're not winning them. And it's just because they make a couple of back-breaking mistakes and, you know, games can be won or lost on three or four plays, and for FAU, they're currently being lost on, on mm-hmm. like three or four plays. Yeah. So what I'm gathering from that is, if y'all get us to fumble the ball, you guys will win because <laughs> it ain't really nobody has stopped the running game, but the running game has been how can how can we put it, John? Um, we can gain 200 yards rushing, but what's the use of getting 99 yards down the field all running plays if you fumble on the one or something like that, you yeah. know? Like, so it's kind of like, yeah, all the numbers look good sometimes, you know, if it, it, it make you feel good, like, oh, man, look at us. We're so unbeatable. And then it's like, oh, well, we just fumbled. That's okay. We're going to get another chance and we do it again. So if you guys you really are just that you. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> it, it's the same thing. So, I'm curious to see how both teams will um, respond to, you know, coming up short in those certain areas. I'm I'm really curious about this one. Yeah, I, I think the unique part of this game is, like, it feels like both programs are in similar situations right now. And it's like, one team needs to find a win. One team needs to find something. Right. You know, like, UAB has been able to sneak out some of these wins, and they've been really close in a couple of these other games, like the Rice game, the, the Western Kentucky game. But it's it feels like both teams are sort of in the same position of like, dude, we just really need something to go our way at some point. And, uh, you know, I think that's really unique in the sense of like both teams coming off big road losses to, to teams who we all think are at least okay. Like UTEP, I don't think is as bad as they've been this year. And Western Kentucky is obviously Western Kentucky, but it feels like both these teams are just in desperate need of a win and desperate need of something to go their way. So it's going to be interesting to see, 
you know, push comes to shove, which team is getting their way, uh, you know, on Saturday. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I agree. Well, Kevin, thank you again. Guys, if you are not following Kevin on Twitter, definitely give him a follow at the Kevin Fiedler and check out his work at Owls247 and on Underdog Dynasty. Um, but, Darian, you want to go ahead and send us out? Blazer Nation, let's ride. <laughs>